Well, good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Ask the Zamboni Experts podcast. Today we have our host, uh, myself, Marty Elliott, sales account representative for Zamboni Company. And our guest is Nathan Robinson, our supervisor of recreational facilities out of the town of Collingwood, Ontario. Good morning. Morning, Marty. How are things in your world? Well, different. Let's just leave it at that, I guess. it's. Uh, I guess it's something we've never experienced uh, in our lifetimes, and uh, certainly once we're out of it, I don't want to again. Yeah, there's no question about that. You know, we've had, we've done some other podcasts talking about change COVID, uh, post-COVID-19 and what's going to change in the industry, uh, specifically in arenas and how we uh, uh, manage them uh, functionally day to day. And definitely, I'm sure you folks will have uh, change occurring in your facilities. Uh, speaking of uh, the two facilities that uh, uh, are in the town of Collingwood, uh, the Eddie Bush Arena, and I'll have you speak to that in a moment, and also the Centennial Park uh, uh, facility, which is fairly new. Why don't you share a little bit uh, with our guests uh, and our uh, viewers, listeners, uh, about those two facilities, Nathan? Well, so the two of the facilities that uh, I have the pleasure of supervising, so the Eddie Bush Memorial Arena, um, probably one of the oldest arenas uh, that still exist uh, in Canada. Pretty much original roof still on the, the old girl. Um, we just continue to maintain and update uh, throughout the years. Um, really proud to still have uh, an arena of that style in service and fully functional. Um, as far as the other rink goes, uh, also kind of one of the newer type facilities in the industry. It's a sprung structure. Um, it was built by BLT approximately seven years ago. And uh, we carry ice here normally 12 months of the year wow yeah uh, to our listeners if you ever get a chance here in collingwood uh the eddie bush arena uh nathan had mentioned uh the structure of it the internal structure of it yeah there have been uh, some uh changes construction wise inside but the original roof what a feature what a beautiful feature that building is so it's on uh, here ontario street the main street of uh, collingwood if you have an opportunity uh, for our listeners, uh, take a stop in one day and uh, take a view of the facility. So, Nathan, our topic today, the importance of edging and uh, something that uh, you've uh, had uh, your hands on and have done for many years. Why don't you share with our uh, listeners your experience and uh, where you've uh, been and how long you've been in the industry? Well, Marty, I've, I guess, been in the industry directly, indirectly for almost 21 years now. Uh, I kind of got into this industry by accident. I uh, went to school for uh, physical health, fitness, and uh, leisure management, uh, which encompasses recreation as well. Um, and I was a fitness consultant for a number of years and realized that really it wasn't for me. Uh, I was spending an awful lot of time uh, at the facility I was working at at the time, which was uh, the Honda Recreation Center in Alliston spending so much time at the rink that my manager at the time suggested that maybe, you know, I get some training in regards to refrigeration and ice operations and maintenance. And so we went down the path and I did. And it's been, it's been a heck of a ride, I guess. Um, I was working previously uh, town of Innisfil as an operations suit, well, as an op- operator first in 07. 
and moved on to a supervisor around 2009 and title changed to operations supervisor a couple of years later. Uh, since moved on and here at the town of Collingwood now as the supervisor of recreational facilities uh, for the Parks, Rec and Culture Department. You know, that's a, a great uh, story from a succession planning standpoint. And, you know, our listeners, uh, some people out there wondering what their vision is of their future as far as a career path. Uh, definitely, Nathan uh, demonstrates uh, uh, coming into something accidentally. But uh, where you've come and where you are today, Nathan, uh, speaks loudly of the industry. And the industry, uh, and Nathan, you can certainly speak to this, is definitely changing uh, from a uh, uh, aspect of uh, a lot of uh, senior people are starting to retire. I think, uh, speaking of Ontario, it's around 20% the next five years are going to be uh, leaving the industry. So, uh, folks, if you're listening uh, and you're wondering about a career path, uh, reach out to uh, Nathan. He might have uh, an opportunity for you uh, in the near future down the road. So, Nathan, uh, topic of uh, the importance of edging. Why is edging so important? Help us understand that, Nathan. Well, I think it's it's definitely one of the most important um, portions of ice maintenance and ice operation in your buildings. Uh, these buildings are here for the ice. And I always look at it as that hotel kind of concept. You know, when you rent a hotel room or a facility, you expect that the room is clean, uh, it's been maintained, the bed's been changed, so on and so forth. I kind of have the same expectation for my users that come into my facilities, you know, it should be clean entering the facility, um, you know, change rooms, lobby, smell clean, look clean, and be sanitized, especially in, you know, with what we have going on right now with uh, COVID-19. But they should get that same experience. They shouldn't walk into new, fresh. So rooms should be clean, organized, ready. And the ice surface should be in the same state. So maintained to a high standard, um, flooded before the, they enter the surface. And if it's flooded, it's one thing, but it's got to be a safe surface. So that's where the edging uh, practices come into play. So let me ask you, uh, how often should a facility actually be performing their edging process? Well, Marty, that's going to completely be based on what you're having take place on your ice surface. Um, it's really as often as it's needed. And it's not something that should be forgotten about. Um, it's based on the conditions of your ice uh, and what your operators are seeing out there, right? And you're going to know based on a lot of guys will say, well, it doesn't look like it needs to be edged. Has anybody measured? And that's really what it boils down to measuring your ice and, you know, setting those benchmarks ahead of time, knowing what you expect as far as, you know, thickness of your ice. And for me, I, at a minimum in a municipal setting, I'd like to see an inch and a half of ice everywhere. Yeah, and we know that uh, due to the uh, uh, fact of maybe some operators aren't uh, using the proper procedure with their flood water and turning it down into corners, that's where uh, uh, the edging really uh, is is imperative that takes uh, place, um, which I believe should be on a daily basis uh, due to the fact of different operators sitting in the seat operating their uh, Zamboni. Um, 
do you do you have your operators do their edging uh, in the morning or at the end of the shift at the end of the night? What's what's your preference? Um, to be honest, Marty, it's going to vary based on um, some facilities schedule ice maintenance and edging for certain times of the day. Uh, here, we kind of don't have necessarily a set ice maintenance block based on our busy programming, but we find time based on the ice conditions. Uh, I would suggest that edging should take place when the building is not full of people, number one. Uh, you wanna give ample time, especially if you're using uh, an edger that's a combustion engine, to ensure that your air quality in the facility is on par for you know, your patrons coming in the building. And I think that's one thing that's forgotten about an awful lot is these edgers, especially combustion engines, uh, they do emit some toxic uh, toxic chemicals and we don't necessarily want in our uh, bodies. And looking at it from you know, a staffing point of view, my operators are the guys and gals who are exposed to the facility itself more than anybody. Um, and since exercise is taking place on the ice surface, you know, your lungs are working hard and you certainly don't want those coming into your building to be ingesting, uh, you know, carbon monoxide or NO2, right? It's just not something you want, uh, people taking in and, uh, creating that, uh, facility sickness that is out there and was out there an awful lot in the past. You know, you, you make a, a good point on the on the the actual air quality, which uh, a proper SOP, an operator should be checking uh, their HVAC, their uh, ventilation system. Uh, do your operators um, are they wearing masks uh, when they're using their uh, edger? No, um, the PPE I'm expecting my guys to be wearing. So you're wearing your helmet, depending on where you are in the world. Um, CSA approved work boots long pants, long sleeves, uh, safety glasses, and we even have our staff wearing anti-vibration gloves as well. Uh, another tool we do use, because uh, I touched on the air quality, is an air quality monitor. So we're checking uh, air quality throughout the facility, lobby, change rooms, um, stands at Center Ice prior to edging, and then again, uh, 15 minutes after edging has taken place as well to ensure that in fact, it is safe for those entering your building and ensuring that while the process is happening that your your uh, ventilation system is in fact on as well. Right, right. So let's talk about uh, edging specifically and the performance of edging and why we do it and uh, what is created uh, uh, based on the ice conditions to Proce uh, proceed with edging. Um, as many people know, some don't. Uh, the uniqueness of the Zamboni ice resurfacer is our blade bar, our blade, uh, and the bar itself being tapered the first six inches uh, of uh, both ends, right and left, and tapered up three degrees. Talk about a little bit about uh, what that does and how that affects for you folks to be edging on a, probably a daily basis, if need be, um, and what uh, takes place there. Well, Marty, I think you touched on it uh, just earlier here. Um, you mentioned operators driving too slow, not controlling their water uh, during their first couple laps of the resurfacing process. And essentially, 
we all drive a little slower around the boards and rightfully so, you know, you've got a large machine out there, you're close quarters with the kick plate of the boards and you're trying to get as tight as possible to the boards. But you did mention about the unique tapered blade and that unique tapered blade unfortunately does not allow you to get tight to the boards no matter how close you get that machine to the boards. Uh, so essentially, you end up creating that glorified bowl effect, if I can use that term. Right. Yep. Definitely. So, uh, what's your standard operating procedure from a training aspect uh, when it uh, pertains to edging? Walk us through. What's that look like as far as if you have a uh, a part-time or a seasonal uh, operator coming on board? Um, what is uh, what is the process that you walk them through in a training aspect of uh, edging? Well, I guess there's a number of ways to go about that, Marty. Um, for me, I like to do the paper aspect of things first. So, you know, the written procedure, um, explaining uh, what the worker shall do, uh, training requirements, personal protective equipment all laid out as well in the SOP. Uh, so kind of going through the SOP itself in the paper form with that individual and then continuing to the actual uh, edger and the surface itself and what things need to take place, you know, prior to edging, uh, please turn on uh, arena ventilation systems, ensure you have all your PPE uh, there that you're going to need to perform the task. Uh, and then for me, a lot of people learn by, you know, seeing is believing, you know, so demonstrating for that individual, you know, the process how the edger works, what the different controls do on the edger, uh, showing the individual and then essentially having them perform the tasks or operate the equipment while you're there to observe. And then being able to give them tips or, you know, what they should do to improve. There's little things, you know, after you've done it for a number of years, everybody has their system and kind of their way of doing it, right? Right, right. You know, one of the things I've noticed in my uh, path uh, into arenas and uh, being on site when edging takes place, the one thing I've recognized that doesn't take uh, happen enough um, is the operator actually inspecting um, the ice itself before they actually put the edger in their hand and also inspecting the actual uh, dashboards and puck plate. Why don't you speak a little bit about that and what that uh, looks like? Well, again, it's at the beginning of the edging process, it doesn't hurt to physically get out on the ice, close all the doors, um, close your ice gate as well, and do a walk around. Uh, you know, you're checking for screws that are sticking out, uh, the kick plate if it's been damaged at all, um, ensuring your, you know, your benches and all your doorways open as they should, um, the gaps in your boards, uh, and then. It's just a good time that you can get out there and inspect everything to do with your ice surface, the ice itself, and like I mentioned, the boards, the glass, the doors. Everything is part and parcel of, you know, the process. It's ensuring you're safe and, you know, those who are coming in are going to be safe in the end as well. Uh, protecting, protecting your asset and protecting your uh, patrons and individuals using your facility. That's great information. Great information. Um, now, I know one of the uh, facilities that you uh, supervise, the Centennial Park facility, uh, the sprung uh, roof uh, system. Um, 
we have one of our other uh, hosts, uh, Scott Douglas, our sales associate out of uh, Brantford, Ontario. I think Scott has a couple questions he wants to ask you regarding that facility. Take it away, Scott. Mr. Robinson, how are you this morning? I'm good yourself, Scott. Oh, no complaints here at my end. Nathan, I just want to ask you kind of any or any differences or um, challenges between maintaining the sand floor at Central Park versus Eddie Bush in terms of edging or even ice maintenance. I know you mentioned you want like to keep an inch and a half at all times. I'm just wondering if there's any direct differences that you've noticed between having a direct comparison in your backyard. Well, I guess the big thing with the sand floor is you can't just simply drill down or do a top test like you do on a traditional concrete floor. Um, we carry ice 12 months of the year here. Uh, so I think that's the route or why they went the route they did with the sand floor here at Central Park Arena. Um, there are many challenges with having a sand floor. Like I mentioned, you can't do tap test or drill test to see how thick your ice is in fact. So there are a number of options out there. Uh, level ice is out there and many machines and those who operate facilities with sand floors have a level ice system. So you're relying on that particular piece of equipment to tell you that your ice is in fact safe. Um, to me, the really only true test is to do the top test and essentially you're going to have to create plates or means that you can drill down and do the actual measurement of the ice. And every operator has that fear of hitting the brine line, dropping some, you know, six by six inch by six inch plates under the ice and having them specifically marked out on the surface to tell the operator that's a safe spot to do a tap test. In my head is probably the best route to go. Uh, it could potentially be an unsightly thing to some individuals who you know, especially a rink where, you know, they have a lot of TV airtime and you see little dots on the ice, but realistically, we're protecting the patrons that way and uh, we're covering our own butts as well to avoid litigation in the future. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, another question I kind of had, and the last time I was at your facility, I think you'd mentioned that the sand floor and the ice on top of it was original when they built it seven years ago. Um, just wondering, among amongst the pandemic, I'm sure some people have taken their ice out and um, maybe in the southern states. Uh, any plans on using this kind of perceived downtime to jump on that and retake it, or is just the challenge too much at this time? So we we have pulled all of our ice surfaces here in the town of Collingwood. Um, just from an energy savings standpoint, we all know that uh, our economy and our industry is essentially bleeding money right now. Um, we have most places have zero revenue coming in other than what the you know, municipalities collected from taxpayers at this time. Uh, so we've taken all of our ice surfaces out and the sand floor here has been, sorry, the rink here, which is the sand floor has been in for seven years since it was installed. So it was something that was planned for this fall, but Considering the times we're in right now, we uh, have pulled that project forward and removed the ice surface here at Central Park Arena. Uh, the sand has been re-raked out so it's level. We checked it with laser levels and we're kind of awaiting right now to see you know, what our government's going to do and what announcements uh, 
the federal government has in the next few days to upcoming weeks. Uh, a lot of uncertainty. No, definitely. I always have heard that putting in a sand floor is one of the most challenging parts of an arena business is kind of I'm curious as to if you would attest to that or if you found it wasn't too bad just re-raking it out. Well, for me, I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't had a ton of experience with sand floors. A lot of the rinks that I've been at and have had the pleasure in being involved with have all been concrete uh, floors. Um, but essentially with a sand floor, you're going to create a concrete surface after you've made a soup, and I'll throw that in quotes, or a slurry out there. So you're essentially going to completely saturate that sand surface um, prior to initializing any of your refrigeration equipment. Um, once it's good and soupy and you do turn on your refrigeration system, you're going to create a, a giant slab out there, much like concrete and then the process basically takes off from there you know you're going to build some clear ice to provide that buffer between you know the top surface and the sand uh, drop your nuts on the appropriate dots where you know you're going to have circles and face off dots uh, center of your crease area at the goal line painting your surface white and continuing the process from there it's it's the same process just slightly different startup that's some great uh, great information nathan it's marty back um great information to share with our listeners which leads me into my next question what other ice maintenance tips can you provide uh, uh our uh, listeners as far as prior to edging that uh, the operators need to uh, be uh, aware of uh, uh prior to putting their edging uh, machine in their hands well, I guess with any piece of equipment, Marty, the circle check portion needs to be completed ahead of time. You don't want to walk out in the surface or go perform any activity without your equipment being in optimal shape, uh, ensuring you know your blades on your edger are in fact not chipped, broken, or missing, uh, ensuring they're tight, Ensuring your machine is got fuel or is completely charged. You're, you're just wanting to have all of your equipment ready, your PPE ready to complete the task that you know you're looking to do. Um, we're all we're all paid well in this industry, in my opinion, for what we do, um, and it's just doing your part to ensure you know you're not wasting valuable time because we all know how busy our ranks in business can be when, you know, we're in go time in a tournament, right? Using right. your time effectively and efficiently. Right. Yeah, yeah, critical, critical. There's only so, so many hours in the day and uh, there's, uh, oper uh, you know, uh, operational costs and uh, one of them is, uh, is uh, payroll. So let me ask you something and I've seen it and I'm sure you have in, in your path as well. How do you get your operators to buy into edging? It's something that I see as a big challenge out there. It's something that they just don't have high on the priority list. What is it that you do differently to make sure that that task is done, whether it's a daily or every second day uh, process in your uh, standard operating procedure? Well, I, I mentioned earlier in regards to that uh, hotel room analogy and what we expect as a, a customer, you know, renting a hotel space and what they're essentially providing to the public or your patrons that are coming into your facility, you 
you want to provide the best service and product you can. And really, if you're not edging, doing ice maintenance, uh, ensuring your facility's clean, you're not doing your job. Um, people pay an awful lot of money. We all know that ice rates aren't cheap out there. On the low end, you know, you're around that $200 mark to upwards of, you know, 400 and change an hour. They should be getting the best product uh, that we can provide them for the money they're paying. Yeah, um, a lot of a lot of my staff. Sorry, Marty. A lot of my staff. I've also um, put them through forms of legal awareness training um, through different accredited associations. Uh, one being the Ontario Recreation Facilities Association. They offer um, lots of adult learning environment training out there, and Legal One and Legal Two, I think, is a minimum standard that staff should be taking to understand what could happen, what can happen, um, and what we hope wouldn't happen, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and great topic to talk about in a future podcast as far as legal awareness and liabilities and things like that. Because if the if it's, if that uh, standard operating procedure edging doesn't take place, there can be a liability, a legal uh, issue that can arise. Uh, and we certainly don't want that to uh, take place. So I uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think it was uh, uh, last year at the tail end of last year, uh, you took delivery of uh, two uh, new Easy Three uh, battery edgers. Was that uh, last fall or was that this year? Can't remember. Time's flying by. I think it was last year. Yeah, I think it was either late last fall or early uh, January, Marty, when we actually received the two Easy Threes. Right, right. So you've had both uh, combustion engine uh, edgers in your hand, and uh, now you're uh, using the uh, EZ3 electric Zamboni edger. Can you talk about the difference between the two? Well, the big thing for me, again, it's the air quality. We're all looking to achieve that green stamp of approval, and the battery-powered edgers that are on the market today are far superior to what you know first entered the market years ago. Um, realistically, there's there's a lot of cost savings there too. You're no longer doing maintenance on a combustion engine, so you know spark plugs, oil changes, uh, carb cleans, rebuilds, whatever the case is, that's taken completely out of the equation. You're operating a piece of equipment, sealed batteries. Um, it's just, in my opinion, I don't see why, um, in this day and age, why we aren't all using battery-powered edgers, because we all know that they're pretty much the worst pollutant uh, in our industry as far as our arenas go. You know, that's a great point. <clears throat> our governing body here in Ontario, TTSA, is certainly looking at that uh, in the industry as far as removing the uh, combustion engine uh, edgers uh, moving forward whenever that happens. But uh, speak speak to uh, the actual uh, charging system. You kind of touch base on that as far as maintaining. When I speak of the EZ3 battery edger, talk uh, talk a little bit about the uh, uh, charging practices that you've uh, instituted uh, with your operators on a daily uh, pr uh, process. Well, the charger itself, Marty, is very simple to use, um, at least from my experience with it. You, you complete your edging process, you've brought the machine itself back into your storage area, whether that's the uh, 
ice resurfacer room or a storage area just off the ice resurfacer room, you're, I, I ask that my staff clean the machine out, uh, not leave it full of snow or if you're at ice out season, you know, paint of any kind. Uh, shutting the key off on the unit once you have it to where, you know, you're off the surface and ensuring that um, that disconnect is in the off position as well, so the vertical position. Um, then plugging the battery charger into the easy three and then finally the charger itself into the wall and from what i understand marty it's it's good to keep it plugged in it just continues to keep that top up on the battery and that way it's ready to go when you actually require it again yeah you're right it does have a feature in it uh, for trickle uh, charging so when my uh, theory is if you're not using it keep it plugged in it's not going to harm the batteries or the system itself Speak to, uh, I guess the other part is what's unique about the Easy 3 Edger is our carbide tip blades, uh, eight-sided uh, carbide uh, tip blades. Have you found a difference from what you previously used uh, for edging uh, to this uh, style of edger? And uh, talk about the pros and cons about that, uh, Nathan. Well, I've used, I've used um, multiple edgers that have been on the market, whether they be, as I mentioned earlier, combustion engine edger or um, battery-powered edgers. Uh, with the Zamboni features with those carbide square blades, they they allow you the opportunity to you know flip it around. You have multiple sides to work with, so it's not as simple as well. It's dull now. I'll throw those set of blades out and replace it with new ones. Well, you've got options to flip that around, turn it, and you've always got the ability to have that sharp cutting uh, blade that you want. Right. The sorry, yeah, sorry, Marty. And uh, simple to simple to do too. You know, simple hex um, Allen key in there and uh, a wrench. You know, it's it's not something you got to get up on a workbench to work on. You can, uh, in my experience, you can simply tip it back on its handle and uh, perform work. Obviously, ensuring that the you know the disconnect is off and it's safe to work on. And I prefer that you have two individuals anytime you're doing maintenance, whether it's on the blades of an edger or an ice resurfacer, always two people there. Right, right. Um, so when your operators are uh, complete the task of, uh, of edging, uh, Nathan, uh, what, what is the next step? Why don't you share with our listeners the next step uh, that they should be performing after they uh, complete the edging? Well, like an ice resurfacer, the edger doesn't get perfectly tight to the boards either. So there is a lip or an edge that's left. Um, that's got to be removed. Otherwise, you're just creating uh, a ladder system for ice to build on again. So my staff are required to, uh, after the edger has been placed back in storage again, you're out on the surface and you're removing that uh, edge that's left behind um, from your edging process. Um, and of course, afterwards, you can't simply just leave the surface as is. You've got to you've got to cut down or remove. Uh, what I mentioned earlier is that glorified bowl. Um, the edger creates that uh, trough to for the Zamboni or your ice resurfacer to allow that runner to drop into and begin cutting and removing uh, that buildup. And simply, you're you're doing overlapping passes, working your way out towards the center of the ice, and 
to that where you've deemed as you know your optimal or level uh, ice. It's removing everything in between from the boards all the way out to where your ice is in back level. Right, right. I'm sure uh, for, from our listeners, they're, they're, they're probably trying to visualize what we're talking about. I know you and I know uh, what that is, and and uh, I know that we're going to be coming out coming out with a uh, a, uh, a Zamboni a video training video on edging. So we'll definitely be able to demonstrate that uh, for our listeners to actually visually see that see that. Yeah, definitely. So Nathan, anything else that you can add to this discussion as far as the importance of edging that we maybe overlooked? It's not something we can forget about, Marty. It it has to be. Now, whether it's a daily thing, morning, evening, whenever it is safest to, in fact, perform the edging routine, it has to happen. As I mentioned earlier, we live in a world now where litigation is it's out there. And you don't want to be trying to explain in court that, no, my ice was safe. Well, how do we know that? Well, it's simply documentation. Everything we do in our industry has to be documented. Um, whether you have an edging log, uh, your ice maintenance log, um, caretakers log books, the list goes on and on as far as different logs that staff and myself are completing on a daily basis. But it's there to protect the worker, the supervisor, and ultimately, you know, the owner, whether it be a municipality or private ownership. It's, it's to ensure that what we in fact have done was completed, has been signed off on, and the product we're putting out there to our users is safe to use. Nathan, I uh, want to take this opportunity to thank you so kindly for uh, taking the time out of your schedule. I know things, uh, even though COVID-19 exists, but you're still busy with uh, maintaining your facilities and parks within your uh, town. But I do want to thank you uh, very kindly for uh, taking the time and uh, sharing your experiences. Wish you all the best. Uh, stay safe. That goes for you and all the staff uh, at the town of Collingwood. Thanks again. Thank you, Marty. Appreciate uh, you allowing me the opportunity to speak as well. I certainly uh, don't profess to be an expert by any means, but uh, if there's any takeaways from, for anyone and you know little tips or secrets of the trade, I'm always willing to uh, lend a hand. That's yeah, great. Uh, again, a veteran that gives back to the industry, and uh, it's uh, so enjoyable to be able to work with you and your staff. So thanks again, Nathan. Have a wonderful day, and uh, we'll talk soon. Hope so, Marty. Take care of yourself. You too, pal.